Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Joe Ross, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads now in prayer. All wise and all loving God, we are drawn together in this place because all our knowledge and discernment is not enough to bring meaning to our lives. All the pieces of our busy days need a center, and we have come to see that center in the foolishness of the cross. There, love went the distance for us. There, the paths of service were lifted up above our passion for personal gain. We are frightened by what you may ask of us, but we long for the wholeness only you can offer. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
person who walks into this church is invited into a grand love story with the happiest ever after ending ever written. It is the story of a God who loves his children so very much that he gave his only begotten son to rescue us from our brokenness and restore us into right relationship with him and with each other. 
Our part is to repent of ignoring him, of going our own way, and to believe in his Son and follow him. In the spirit of true repentance, then, let us turn to our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father and confess our sins together. Let us pray. We have come to your temple, loving God, because this is your place, not ours. We confess that sometimes we forget whose house this is. We forget that all the world belongs to you as we scramble for all we can claim for ourselves. Our actions deny your love, which is at the heart of your perfect law. Our minds have justified the bending and breaking of your law to suit current trends and feelings. We cry out for forgiveness and the opportunity for a fresh start. Clear us of hidden faults and redeem us from those we recognize and confess. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you know that God loves you so much that he has engraved your name on the palms of his hands? He knows our soul's longings and with the tenderest love pours out mercy, compassion, and forgiveness on us when we repent and confess as we have just done. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. believers in Jesus Christ across the globe and down through the ages, let us boldly state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us greet one another in the love of Christ, whether it's hug, handshake, or elbow bump.
Well, good morning. I work. <laughs> Maybe the only thing that works about me, but that's good. <laughs> nice to see you all here this morning on another beautiful day. We are so grateful to be gathered up as the people of God to be in worship and to continue in our Lenten journey as we make our way closer and closer to the cross. We are grateful that we can do that as the family of faith. And every Sunday morning, we're reminded of our relationship to one another. And today, especially, we get to be reminded of our uh, larger family of faith. We are uh, grateful to have our children who will be worshiping with us throughout the entire service. And many of them have made their way through the uh, sacramental class where they've learned about communion and baptism. And they're going to be worshiping with their families throughout the rest of the service and taking communion with us. And we'll so talk about that a little bit later, but we are so grateful uh, to have them. As I mentioned, we're making our way through Lent, and uh, we are inviting you to join us in some Lenten prayer partnerships. If you'd like to be praying for a specific person in our congregation, or if you wish to be a specific person being prayed for, we would love for you to reach out and contact Mingy Brown, uh, our associate pastor for congregational care, and she would love to talk to you more about that, and you can find her contact information on page six in the bulletin. We continue in our generosity season. Many of you were here last week when we, re we received our commitment cards, and perhaps some of you weren't here, and we would love for you to be with us as we continue in that journey of making commitments to our 2018 ministry year. We, are, uh, we have got great things ahead of us and uh, great challenges ahead of us, and we would love for you to join us in that great effort as we seek to continue to grow as the Church of Jesus Christ. We uh, also invite you to be mindful of the fact that next Sunday is Daylight Savings Time. So uh, if you uh, want, really want to go to the service of your choice, you'll remember that. Um, if not, you'll be going to the next service afterwards. So uh, we would love to have you come and be with us next week at your specific time. We're so grateful to have Chris Chanel with us this morning from the Sarasota Orchestra, and we are so uh, Delighted to have you lead us in ministry with your great musical gifts. And uh, this coming, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, you'll see that we have a little different setup here in our chancel, and uh, we're looking forward to an amazing concert uh, for children at risk. And I've asked Jonathan Spivey if he would share with us a few words about what we can look forward to, and we certainly hope you have blocked that off on your calendar. Uh, echoing what Steve said, there are only three things that I have to say. The first thing is it's about children at risk. And we're talking about children right here around us as well as around the world. Uh, some people in Sarasota County, some kids sleep in their cars. Some kids don't have enough uh, food to eat. And I think we all know that. And there are kids that have suffered terrible abuse every day. They, they awake to a day of abuse. Uh, some, some kids are born addicted to drugs. Um, so with all this in mind, that's point number one, it's, it's about the kids. Number two, it's about the quality of the music that you're going to hear today because we have professional musicians, we have a huge choir, combined choirs, and children's voices. And so it's a spectacular musical event that's worth it all on its own. And the third thing to remember is that it's today at 4 o'clock, as Steve was saying. It's not some future time. If you've already made plans for today with the beautiful weather, change your plans and be here today at 4 o'clock. You will not want to miss this. Thank you. 
Let us then continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
us pray. Touch our hearts, O Lord, even more to put within us even a greater sense of the privilege of giving. Touch our hearts so that generosity becomes a natural part of our everyday life, especially as it relates to the way we give to others. And we'll give you the praise in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, we're going to invite the children to come forth. Yes, and I have a little show and tell before Steve does our... Um, if you are doing life with your children in the sanctuary today, we have a special treat after the service. We're going to the park to do life together. So outside, grab a snack bag and uh, join us at the Bee Ridge Park. That uh, little snack pack and take it over to Bee Ridge Park and be with your families. We're so glad you guys are here this morning. It is so wonderful to be worshiping together as a family. Who can tell me what a symbol or a logo is? Who could tell me what a symbol or a logo is? Yes. Ah, oh, you forgot. Okay, I understand. <laughs> symbol, logo? American flag. American flag is a symbol or logo. Yes, that's great. Great. Who can tell me what a symbol is, though? Pictures that logo, uh, companies use to, like, represent them. Right. Excellent. Perfect. Yeah. A picture or a symbol that kind of tells us about something else. So I've got some some symbols or logos, and uh, I want to see if you can tell me what they are and what do they remind you of. This is symbol number one. <laughs> Who can tell me what this symbol is? Yes. Ch McDonald's. McDonald's, right. Okay, so when you think, see this symbol, what do you think of? What, do you, what kinds of things come to mind when you think of this symbol? Anybody? Yep. French fries. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anything else? Yeah. Burgers. All right, burgers. Excellent. Good. One more. Fast food. Fast food. Amen. Okay, so another symbol. Can anybody tell me what this is a symbol for? Yes. iPads. Apple what? Oh, Apple iPhone. Okay, excellent. Apple computers, right? Right? What, what do you think of when you think of this symbol? Yes. One more. Electronics. Electronics, yep. An apple. An apple. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah, I think of my iPhone. This is the symbol I was sharing with them, okay. One, let's see, a couple more symbols. How about this one? Anybody know what this one is? Yes. Publix. Publix, right. Excellent. So what comes to mind when you think of Publix? What kinds of things come to mind when you think of Publix? A grocery store. Grocery store, yes. Ice cream. Ice cream, amen. Okay, anything else? One more. Speak Chick of the mic. Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. I think of Roasted chickens, oh, <laughs> Publix roasted chickens. Okay, one more symbol. <laughs> Who can tell me what this symbol is? Yes? Michigan. Michigan! Yes. All right, wow. Well, I don't know how I got a hold of this one. So, um, Michigan, what, you know what I think of when I think of this symbol? 
I think of the greatest college football program in America. That's what I think, right? Don't you all think that, right? And the team that's playing for the Big Ten Championship today? Yes, anybody else? Oh, that suffices. <clears throat> anyway, so, turn around. Let's take a look up here. What do we got up here? We got these beautiful silver trays. If you want to come over here, and if you take off the lid of these trays, you see, what do you see? You see pieces of bread, right? Right? And over here, if I take this off, you see all these little cups, right? And what are they filled with? Anybody know what they're filled with? Yeah. Grape juice. Grape juice, right, right. Some places fill them with wine, we fill them with grape juice. So, uh, and in a moment, while we're singing, they're going to walk down the aisle with this chalice, like a silver goblet, and they're going to walk up with a loaf of bread, and they're going to put it there. And those are symbols of Jesus' love for us, because Jesus had a supper with his disciples, his best friends, just like that, where he shared bread and shared wine with them to remind them of how much he loves them and remind them of the great sacrifice he was going to make for them. He was going to die on the cross for them. And that's why when we gather together at communion, it helps us with those symbols to remember how much Jesus loves us and how far he'll go to love us by giving his life for us. So let's keep that in mind as we think about communion and as we share communion together, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for these great and powerful symbols in our lives. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us always remember how much you love us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can go back and be with your families. scripture this morning is taken from John chapter 18, beginning at the 12th verse. Hear the word of God. So the soldiers, their officer and the Jewish police, arrested Jesus and bound him. And first they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. And Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. And Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus, and since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out to sp and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. And the woman said to Peter, you're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves, and Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. And then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching, and Jesus answered, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? And, and those who heard it, what I said to them, they know what I said. And when he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? 
And Jesus answered, if I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they asked him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. And the second lesson, just three verses that come to us from the 21st chapter of John, verses 15 through 17. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. So we've all heard the story of three people flying in an airplane, a Nobel Prize winner, the Pope, and a Boy Scout. And sure enough, there's trouble with the engine, and the pilot appears in the cabin looking quite desperate, and he's got a parachute already in his back, and he yells that the engines are gone, and there's no hope, and there's only three parachutes, and I've got one of them, and goodbye, and out the door he goes. Two parachutes left, three people. The Nobel Prize winner says to the other two, listen, I just won the Nobel Prize. It's pretty clear that I'm, the only, I'm not only one of the smartest guys in the world, but I'm needed down there to help make the world a better place. Grabs a chute, puts it on, and out he goes. The Pope and the Boy Scout are left. The Pope looks at the Boy Scout and says, listen, I'm an old man. I've lived a full life. Besides, I follow the master who says, greater love has no person than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. You, young man, still have your life ahead of you. Take the chute and live. Have no fear, Padre, said the boy. We still got two chutes. Old smarty pants grabbed my backpack. (laughs) Some of you remember me telling the story five or six years ago when my friend Rick and I decided to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. It was and will be my only skydiving experience. One more item of my midlife crisis checklist checked off. Four of us, not counting the pilot, squeezed into a little plane with two parachutes. Thankfully, this didn't turn out to be a bad joke because the two guys with the parachutes allowed the other two guys without the parachutes to hook on our backs to their chest, tandem jumping. One guy without the chute goes with the one guy with the chute. Never have I been more interested in how well a fastener works. (laughs) 
And never have I stopped thinking of the fact that I willingly fastened myself to somebody who, for all intents and purposes, was a complete stranger. It's not that I didn't ask how many times the guy had jumped before, and it's not that he said, you know, oh, this is my first. But still, two complete strangers, one with the chute, one without the chute, plummet 11,000 feet and managed to survive. Now, from time to time, this experience has gotten me to thinking about fastening. To whom are we fastened? It's another way of asking about our relationships. With whom are we in relationship, and to what degree do we sense a fastening? Because, you know, when it comes to relationships, especially the ones that seek to be tightly fastened, there is this reality that there are times when only one person has hold of the chute. Because, you know, that's how life goes, right? Life is not an even experience. It's a big reason why we have relationships to begin with, because there are some days when I feel like I'm floating along, tethered tightly to a parachute, and there are other days when I feel like I'm plummeting to the earth. And relationships have a lot to do with shoot sharing. I'm in trouble here. Can I share your shoot? Or you look like you're having trouble with that ripcord. Here, grab on. Fasten yourself, and we will ride this thing together. BFF is the acronym that we use to reaffirm to someone that we are tight best friends forever. I'm not sure we know exactly what we're saying when we say that, but because isn't there some implication that we are sharing a shoot? Hey man, it looks like you're pulling and nothing's coming out. Latch on to me. Easier said, of course, than done. And that's what makes our story this morning so painful. Read any of the Gospels, and you can't help but see the disciple Simon Peter, who Jesus beckons from the shore of the sea and invites into a relationship. And, and first, it's a relationship of teacher and student. Jesus has many things to teach, and Peter has many things to learn. But the relationship grows deeper and deeper, deeper the longer they are together. And Jesus begins to trust Peter more and more, and even wonders if Peter can be the one who will lead the movement forward after Jesus gone. Despite all his bonehead things he manages to do to prove himself inept, Jesus hangs in there with him, trusts him more and more, and then finally Jesus uses the F word, the friend word. No longer do I call you servant, Jesus says. I call you friend. There is a deep and fastened relationship that Jesus and Peter have been able to cultivate over the years, which leads Peter to say, without any hesitation, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. No matter what, whenever your shoe doesn't work, Jesus, you can count on me. And then comes the chance. Then comes the moment of truth, the testing of the tether. Jesus on trial, Peter in the courtyard. Who's got the shoot? Peter's got the shoot. With no cord to pull, Jesus is on his own. When given the chance to fasten himself to his friend, Peter claims he doesn't know him. 
I don't know the guy. Never met him. It's almost too hard to believe because what we want to believe about ourselves is that we're not that kind of person. Oh, you can count on me. BFF. But you know, easier said than done. Relationships are hard. If they weren't hard, the world would be a better place, right? But the world's kind of messed up because relationships are hard. And relationships are hard because life is uneven and one person ends up having the shoot and another person doesn't and it's hard to figure out the fastener. It's hard to take time to figure out how to tether. We're, we're all falling so fast and, and I gotta watch out for myself. When I look back on my own life, it doesn't take much to recall those times when a friend was likely waiting for my call or my note or my help and it didn't come. I just got too busy, you know, too wrapped up in myself. And I can remember those moments when I felt like I was out there on a limb expecting somebody to throw me up a ladder and saying to myself, oh, you know, Charlie will be by. Oh, yeah, he'll build, he'll build me a ladder if I need it. And then to see Charlie over there sawing off the limb. Who's got to shoot? Not a bad question to ask, I suppose, when we think about the people to whom we are tethered in some way, spouse, child, parent, brother, sister, friend, acquaintance, fellow child of God. Who's got the shoot right now? And who needs the shoot right now? Because you see, there's more than one surprise in this story of Peter and Jesus. First surprise, Peter blows it. BFF, and you couldn't even say you knew him. Jesus hurdles to the earth, and Peter can't quite find the fastener. But then there's the second surprise. And the second surprise comes after the resurrection when Peter thinks that maybe the gig is over. Maybe it's time to realize you just blew it. Maybe it's time now just to go back to where Jesus first found him, go back to fishing. He's disqualified himself. He's, missed his, he's misused his shoot. And just in that moment, Jesus appears. And now who has the shoot? Jesus has the shoot. And Jesus invites Peter and his friends to a meal, a, a little breakfast on the shore of the sea, loaves and fish, bread and cup. And Jesus pulls Peter aside for a conversation, man to man, friend to friend. It's, it's a pretty remarkable thing. You know, just a few days ago, one of these guys didn't even want to acknowledge the other, and now the other wants to talk to him. He wants to talk. He wants to talk because he knows he's got to shoot. His brother is falling fast with guilt and with hurt and with shame and with remorse. And Jesus pulls him close and talks to him about love. And in talking about love, they fasten. And Peter goes on to live into every bit of the dream that Jesus had for him. Relationships are hard. And there's so much that can pull us apart. And there's so much emotion and hurt and disappointment and righteous indignation and shame. 
that messing with that dumb faster just doesn't seem worth it. It's too hard, too complex, too messy. And yet, if there's anything that sets the gospel apart from any other self-help, life-coaching book or podcast or TED Talk out there, is that Jesus invites us into this hard, complex, messy world of relationships and says, two people, one shoot, keep fastened. Because there will come a day, Jesus says, when your cord isn't working. And there will come a day when you realize that what you have on your back is just a backpack. And thank God, thank God, the fastener's working. It reminds me of a story I read in the Wall Street Journal some 25 years ago about the Henderson family up in Jennings, Missouri. Did I say that right, Missouri? The Jennings, the uh, Henderson family, three-person family, mom, dad, and son. Presbyterian, dad and elder, mom, and son sing in the choir. The bonds between them, a little uneven, dad a little distant, mom a little closer. But they figured it out. They figured out how to be an uneven family, just like the rest of us figure out how to be an uneven family. And then comes the conversation between son and father, where son tells father that he's gay. And because it's 25 years ago, dad just doesn't know what to do with this news. He's a factory guy, he doesn't know about these things. And, and all of a sudden, there's now a little bit more distance, but not too much distance to keep dad from saying to son, I love you, I love you. I don't understand, but I love you. And then comes the phone call years later from the son to say that he has AIDS. And he doesn't know what to do. And he's alone. And so Mr. Henderson checks his fastener to see if it's still working. And it is. It's working. And he drives up to Chicago and moves in with his son and learns how to wash clothes learns how to give medicine, learns how to empty bedpans, learns how to embrace his son, learns how to share a shoot, and holds on tight until the good Lord takes his boy home. Relationships aren't easy. Take it from the one who invites us to this table. Let's see, uh, who do we got here? Uh, Judas, who's going to sell me for 30 silver coins. Uh, Thomas, who doesn't believe half the things I tell him. James and John, who are busy trying to elbow everybody else out from the seat of honor. Matthew, the tax collector. And Peter, <laughs> good old Peter. Good old, I'll lay down my life for you, Peter. Relationships aren't easy. He never said they would be. And maybe that's why he keeps calling us back. Keeps calling us back to this table. To the Lord's Supper. To Holy Communion. Loaves, fish, 
bread cup. Yeah, he says, yeah, I know. I know you think that guy's a louse. Yeah, yeah, I know you think that woman's a two-faced hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, I know that for every one of you there's a strained friendship. There's a broken family. But we're all falling, friends. We're all falling. Two people, one shoot. Stay fastened. Life is difficult. Each one of us can remember a time when we were so glad that somebody who had the chute held on. And that's the life that we're all invited into, isn't it? Especially when Jesus invites us to this table. He is the ultimate one to hold on to. 
He is the one who loves us unconditionally. He's the one who's fastener. There is no doubt. And he invites us into Holy Communion so that not only would we have communion with him through these symbols of bread and cup, but that we would have communion with each other, that we would know that we are tethered together as the family of God. And that also we would be challenged to wonder how well we're tethered to those people in our lives, maybe those who are falling faster than we are, who need to be held, to be grasped, to be assured that they're not alone. So friends, you are invited and encouraged to come to this table and to know that Jesus meets you here without condition. He embraces you with his love and mercy and that he empowers you with your holy, his Holy Spirit to be the people he would be in this world for the sake of the world, for the sake of all of God's children who are at risk. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received with the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which she was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And when you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink of it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. What wondrous love is this, O Lord, that would invite every single one of us here to this table that would embrace us despite who we are, despite how fast we're falling, despite how secure we may think we really are, we are grateful that you invite us to come, to gather us up as your family, and to receive these symbols of your love for us. We thank you, O oh Lord, that your spirit is present with us and that you fill us with your spirit so that we can be empowered to be your family, not just for ourselves, but for the world. So join us at this table that we may sense your power. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let us pray together. Father, as we have received these gifts of bread and cup, you have fed us with the spiritual food of your body and blood, the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for assuring us of your goodness and your love, and that we're members of his body. Renew us by your Holy Spirit. Unite us in the body of your Son. Bring us with all of your people into the joy of your eternal kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>